Hello and welcome to the C21 podcast. My name's Jonathan Webdale. We hope you're safe and well wherever you may be. Coming up in this episode, Purnell Media President Samuel Kisu discusses the challenges of making France Television a historical reenactment docuseries The Real War of Thrones under social distancing restrictions. But first, just 10 years old, the Bottle Yard Studios in the UK city of Bristol has become known as the home of dramas including Poldark and the Pale Horse, Sandition and the Trial of Christine Keeler. As the seven-acre venue reopens following closure due to the coronavirus pandemic, studio's director Fiona Frankham spoke with Michael Pickard about the steps that have been taken to prepare for filming post-lockdown, how demand for studio space has exploded over the past decade, and how she's now moving on with the aim of increasing access to the industry. The studios is a, is a Bristol City Council initiative. It was set up 10 years ago. The council owned a site in South Bristol that was becoming vacant, a huge site, seven-acre site, and opened the site in quite um, a sort of hand-to-mouth way initially just to see whether it would whether it would work and fast forward 10 years you know after a very slow small steps start we've grown into this site that is incredibly busy recently I suppose our most sort of iconic show is Poldark they were with us for all five seasons but you know we've had some fantastic recent shows very recent Salisbury Poisonings which you know had great reviews and, and a very good audience Trial of Christine Keeler was another one that came out of the studios We've also had Pale Horse and McDonald's and Dodds recently. So, you know, we, we are established now as a really good place to come and film. Bristol has always been a very film-friendly city and, you know, it's very well set up to attract filming and the locations that we can offer are, are you know, just, just wonderful. So we, we've done incredibly well and uh, it's uh, going from strength to strength. Long may it continue because it does bring in such a profile to the city but also such revenue for other the business and services in the city too which is much needed at the moment it seems like a lifetime ago now but take us back to kind of march when thoughts about coronavirus were kind of just yeah. coming to the fore and, and what was that time like for you well, we were set, I kid you not, to have the busiest year ever. We were we were literally, you know, finding that the inquiries were thick and fast. We we were all set completely fair for the best year. And I was actually away when the initial coronavirus implications hit. I was trying to have a holiday in Argentina and literally arrived and a few days later turned around and had to come back before lockdown really took its hold. So I just came back to productions, obviously, you know, literally downing tools couldn't carry on we had one show in andy's aquatic adventures who just had about five days filming left to complete and they really 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 wanted to try and make it through and just get it in the can but they they couldn't so everything was literally just stopped overnight our permanent tenants tried to carry on for a little bit longer but then realized that actually that that wasn't a good idea. The site remained open throughout. We had security there, we had cleaners, you know, we had to make sure that our permanent tenants who needed to could still access and, and you know, could work if they wanted to and if they deemed that they wanted to. But my team, because uh, we're Bristol City Council employees, the council just pulled everybody back and said, you know, unless you absolutely have to, we want everybody working from home. So we were all operating remotely. One of us was going in once a day to check that everything was all right and have a quick walk around and then come straight home again and it was you know the most eerie uh, and desolate place that you know I can only I can only liken it to an empty theatre after a performance but with no atmosphere as well it was it's like a really sort of empty quite desolate place really very very sad to see and you know and obviously that continued 
couple of weeks and the life had gone out of it. You know, it was seven acres with, with no life on it. You know, really sad. What preparations could you make, if any, sort of while you were waiting to come back? Or has it really been just, I guess, the last few weeks that when guidelines have been published and, and you've published your own guidelines about returning to work, mm. that you were able to kind of see how you might actually sort of get the cameras rolling again? It gave the team time to draw a little bit of breath. Um, it gave them time to do some training, a bit of, you know, CPD, all those things that usually life gets in the way of. One of the team, because again, we're council work, were redeployed within the council. They went to be a volunteer coordinator, so helping to, to coordinate voluntary efforts to households in, in, in an area in Bristol. Um, so that was great that she was able to, to go off and have a different experience throughout it all. We've been very proud of her for doing that. So the team sort of carried on and inquiries kept going for a little while actually as well and then we started obviously getting news of the industry guidelines that were being put together so we, as soon as we could get an early draft of that it gave us the opportunity to start thinking about how the site could start welcoming productions again and you know each iteration of that gave us another thing that we had to think about and something else to consider we also had to make sure that the council were happy you know a local authority is going to be very cautious in its approach to risk and certainly reopening a studio could potentially be quite a high risk thing to do so even though the industry were giving very good guidelines we also had to marry that to the council putting their own health and safety considerations in place and they actually had they came out to the site to make sure that we could be awarded what they call covid secure status so from corporate health and safety's point of view that that we were doing everything we could to consider not only our visitors our clients but also the team you know most importantly who are working there to make sure that the team were protected so there's been an awful lot of work that my team have done in terms of writing risk assessments and then rewriting them and then rewriting them and rewriting and updating and, and changing and we've also written a site operating procedures document which sounds very dry but basically it's an introduction to those clients who are going to come back to say look this this is what we've been doing you're going to need this for your risk assessment this is how the site's going to work work when you do come back please be aware of this you know this is what the studios of measures are putting in place this is what you will be expected to put in place and you know just working very closely with that with those clients who were already in when lockdown happened just to try and enable them to free things up and um, we were very, very welcome with Andy's coming back two weeks ago. So Andy's Aquatic Adventures, which is a children's show made out of BBC Bristol, came back two weeks ago and they were our, our trailblazers, really. And, you know, that worked really, really well. It tested our systems, tested everything that we'd put in place. So we were reassured that, you know, it, it really wasn't quite as bad as perhaps everybody was thinking that it is possible. And our next show back, we're hoping, is going to be Tipping Point. They need to resume and, uh, and start filming again and then we're hoping that our dramas will come back but drama seems to be taking longer I know that there are some who are starting sooner but um, ours the ones who are booked in with us are being a little bit more cautious and I think some of that is because commissioners don't want post-COVID-19 drama they want you know drama that looks like drama that we're all used to so I think the theory is that they'll just wait for as long as possible and then go into production in the hope that things will have eased even further over the next few months. 
Yeah, I mean, yeah, the guidelines that you know that have been published do seem to focus, I guess, on hygiene and health and safety measures. And like you say, that that does present, um, you know, social distancing does present issues for for dramas, particularly. I mean, what what are some of the you know when when you have Andy in or when you hope to have Tipping Point back? I mean, what are some of the measures that you will have put in place, and and what what does what will filming look like for for those shows? From our point of view, the most important thing for us is that we're trying to zone productions, whereas before we were, you know, this huge site that everybody could, you know, walk around and and go and visit and, you know, say hello and be very collaborative. That, unfortunately, is going to have to be much more tempered. We're trying to zone all the areas so that we don't have so much crossover, if you like, you know, to use the societal word bubble. You know, we're trying to create those bubbles within the bottle yard. So trying to ask productions not to pop over and borrow something but to you know do that in a much more structured way and and to really respect each other's areas um so that's going to be quite a big change cleaning obviously we've got you know we've got cleaning going all the time it's just a sort of rolling program of cleaning loads and loads of signage loads of signage you know we started that signage with the two meter distancing now that's that's changed to one but we're keeping the two meters trying to encourage people to carry on adopting that as much as possible and then just trying to signpost our productions to other services that they may think about you know misting studios we're, we're not going to do that that's going to be down to productions to do that if they feel that they need to do it according to their risk assessments hand sanitizers every everywhere 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 all those very practical things and then you know one way systems trying to encourage people to walk in one direction around the site you know all those all those things which are really counterintuitive you know the industry is you know dynamic and just wants to go where they want to go and you know we've had to really put a lot of things in place to try and stop that so it is going to feel quite different but i you know television companies are incredibly adaptable and and resourceful and you know it will feel different for a couple of days and then I'm sure everybody will get used to it and just accept it and be very respectful of it we've seen a lot of respect actually on site you know there hasn't been that any dismissal of you know what we've put in place or any questioning it's it's just been an, an acceptance and a completely understand why we're doing it type of approach yeah, I mean, and you mentioned, um, I guess, particularly with the drama producers, maybe some of their concerns or maybe, you know, why they won't be rushing back to, to film. I mean, what, what have the producers been sort of saying to you over the last few months when you've been speaking to them? Is it a case of when, not if? Or are there other concerns that they have about kind of coming back? And insurance is obviously um, a, a talking point at the moment. What are the, are the other things mm. that they're sort of talking to you about? Most definitely, the resounding message is when, not if. In fact, we had, and I mentioned at the start, we had a you know very big order book uh, for the throughout the year going into going into well into next year, and all those productions who were queuing up to come in are still queuing up. They're still they've still got back in touch and said you know we want to do it. Our dates will move. You know, can you accommodate us? So very much the demand is still there, and if anything, demand has increased because productions want to come off the road, come off location, and come into studios because it's much more containable, and potentially you know they will get they will achieve more in a studio in terms of shop material because location work already was slow but you know now is going to be even more so so very much when checking I mean insurance wise you know that that is for them to liaise with their insurers about and bond companies and and all those sort of areas that they have to think about they obviously want to know what we're doing what would trigger a a full site closure you know at what point would the bottle yard say right that's it we're closing that you know they 
they want that reassurance and and that's pretty much it you know i think they they understand that they have a huge process they have to go through and a duty of care to the crew that they're bringing on site and they completely understand that you know there's only so far we can go uh, and they then have to take over and assume that risk and take on that responsibility and you mentioned, you know, that the, the order form, the order book is uh, is quite full. I mean, how have you seen, you know, since I guess the, the studios opened 10 years ago, how have you seen that demand for studio space just increase monumentally? Because I think we all know that studios in the UK are particularly under pressure to mm. squeeze everyone in. And there's obviously talk of, of new studios being built um, over the next few years. How have you mm. seen that kind of manifest uh, at Bottle Yard? Well, we started in 2010, you know, it was quite a small, slow, organic start, I suppose. And we were in the right place at the right time for the television, the high-end drama tax incentive to come in in 2013 you know we, we had three years track record Bristol has always had a fantastic track record in terms of drama crew so you know we were well placed for that and it's just grown slowly and steadily since then but certainly over the last couple of years there's been an absolute explosion in in demand and as I said you know that demand is not going to diminish because working in a studio is much more preferable to working on location at the moment uh, and will continue to be I think for a while so you know long long may it continue and the government please don't remove that tax incentive because it's been the most amazing thing not only for studios but you know for crews for supply chains for the UK as a whole it has been a, a fantastic intervention so um, demand is absolutely there you know there is always a risk there's a risk that that will that that will go with a you know with a new government could could rescind it which is you know would be terrible there's you know all sorts of risks involved in running studios but um, I, you know I, I firmly believe that we we were set fair and we will be set fair again you know this, this i hope is just a just a glitch and i guess on a on a personal level i understand you'll be sadly leaving the studios um this mm. month is it i believe to go to work at the old vic theater school in in bristol mm. um which segues nicely into my next question about you know going from a studios to a theatre school where obviously lots of people will be hoping to break into the industry. I mean, just how do you see access to the industry at the moment? There's obviously a lot of talk about how people, especially from sort of minority backgrounds, can can get into television and, and film on a wider basis. I mean, how do you see that? And, and how do you imagine your new role kind of, how would you think you'll affect that going forward? Bristol is a, a city of 91 languages. And my passion is for the theatre school to be representative of the city that it's based in. And I think it doesn't deny that it isn't at the moment uh, and it's really important that that changes and you know that's that's something that I am incredibly incredibly committed to to doing it's not going to be easy it isn't easy the industry haven't found it easy to date but that's why it is still predominantly white you know it, it is very underrepresented so we you know we need to make that change and I'm hoping that my knowledge of the industry can move into the theatre school and, and try and try and change that from the inside for those students and to change the appearance and the look of of how the world is represented on screen and if I can do that during my tenure I'd be I'd be very proud of that but as I said you know Bristol has it as a city it doesn't necessarily have it in its organizations that needs to change 
that's obviously something that's a, a discussion being had in you know, London and cities around the country. Absolutely, in every city, in every city. And, you know, it takes it takes time, it takes intervention, it's it's a long haul. We've started a, a, on a very small scale at the studios. We set up a, a classroom with a fantastic post-16 education provider called Boom Satsuma, who have, uh, I insisted that when they set up the classroom, they took the majority of their cohort from South Bristol, which is where the studios are and is a very deprived area of Bristol and needs, needs a lot of help and they you know they had a 95% cohort uh, from South Bristol so we're starting and we're trying it's very it's small steps but you know if we can get half of that cohort we can get 10 into the industry then that's a pretty good start and then you know get some traction and 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 carry on building that so you know it it, you just it is just going to be you know a lot of intervention and a lot of uh, engagement with those areas and those sectors to to include them and involve them and prove that you know there is absolutely no reason why they can't be involved they should be there you know they absolutely should be there but yes every every city every part of the UK is uh, is doing the same thing I would argue perhaps you know across the world they're having the same issues it's not just a not just a UK thing. Fiona Frankham from the Bottle Yard Studios. Independent French producer Pernell Media is behind shows including ancient superstructures and extreme lands, as well as France Television historical reenactment documentary series The Real War of Thrones, recently renewed for a fourth season. Pernell President Samuel Kissu spoke with Clive Whittingham about the challenges of making the latter under social distancing restrictions, including the use of real-life couples as sex stunt doubles to film more intimate scenes from the life of Louis XIV plus the wider impact of the pandemic on the business and production insurance. How was, uh, how was business at the start of 2020 before all of these, uh, these horrors afflicted us? What were, were you looking forward to, to this year and how was the business looking? I think luckily before the COVID crisis started, in January 2020, we had a very, very solid slate of productions ahead of us for this year. A mix of returning brands and new commissions, a mix of very big commissions, medium-sized commissions, smaller commissions. So we had our biggest slate ever ahead of us uh, at the start of 2020. And, you know, obviously when, when COVID started, I think at first we tried to stay as optimistic as we could, thinking that, okay, maybe this is just going to be a break and then we can resume things. And then the situation uh, worsened. It became a global crisis. It was first a health crisis, which became an economic crisis. So, you know, it's, it's, it's very hard to predict still now what's going to be the rest of 2020. So we have to be incredibly cautious. But certainly a number of our productions have been uh, postponed to next year already. You had to put things on hold and, you, and you've just bumped those into next year. You're not hoping to sort of produce those at the end of this year and whatever. Why have you taken that course of action? Or was it the broadcasters that did that? Yeah, it's it's usually dictated by the reality of the production. So each project is different. We work in a very international way and a lot of our projects uh, are shot internationally. So some of these shoots, for instance, we, we had shoots that we were going to do in March and April in India and Turkey. So we don't know when we're going to be able to shoot in India again. Hopefully it will happen by the end of this year, but we don't know. We have some projects going on in Brazil. The state of the epidemic in Brazil right now is very bad. So that's something where I don't know if I'm going to be able to shoot this this year. We're crossing fingers, but we're being cautious and monitoring the situation um, on a daily basis. And then other projects were delayed just because of the fact that we couldn't shoot for two months. So some of these delays we can make up for, and some of these delays mean that the project is being pushed back. 
basically um, for next year, whether it's shooting or editing or delivery. So it's really a mix. And I would say each project is different. And it's been a lot of headaches, I'm sure, like everyone else. First of all, we had to organize how we're going to stop working. And then we had to organize how we're going to resume work. Um, so it's, it was a lot of, okay, um, now we have to stop shooting and we have to find new ways of editing, setting up new systems for people working from home, whether it's development, whether it's editing. So in some cases, we have been able to have people working from home and editing from home, for instance. Shooting, you know, is something that we definitely had to stop for two months. We didn't produce any shows uh, shot at home. Some of these shows did happen. There, there was a very successful show on French television, which was about people cooking from home. That's been actually the, that's been the main hit of the COVID era in France. It, it was a show that was about people cooking from home. <laughs> You weren't tempted to go in for that sort of thing, did it? Your company, no, you didn't go for the short turnaround options, no? I think because we had a very solid slate coming up for this year, we had already so much to deal with that um, we decided to focus on reorganizing what was already planned and what was already in the pipes. I would say, I think most of what we were going to do in 2020 will remain 2020 productions. And then some of the other said, you know, four or five things had to be pushed back a little bit and will be shot a bit later and maybe delivered early 21 instead of end of 2020. But because we had so much to deal with already, we didn't, you know, we didn't start for, okay, what can we do in the next two months? But I, you know, hats off to some of my producer friends who overnight were able to shoot stuff from home. Yeah, I, di I didn't go this route because I, we, we had already a lot to deal with on our plate. So, so we basically didn't have so much time to, to go and say, okay, let's create a show that's being shot from home. As we move forward, will you think twice? You mentioned you do a lot of international production, places like India and Brazil. Will you think twice about doing that and look for more local domestic options moving forward? Or is it just a matter of time you know let's let this play out and then you can go back to producing things in those places i think we've always been very focused on either making productions in france that have an interest for people around the world or shooting topics around the world anyways this is going to stay the same i'm not interested in doing less international i want to keep pushing in this way in fact over the past year we've had great success with Science Channel on, for instance, a two-hour special about Attila the Hun, uh, which aired in, uh, I think it was early March. So, yeah, I think it, this aired like two, three months ago on the Science Channel. It did great for them in the ratings. So we are definitely still talking to Science Channel, even though it's remotely. So, yes, we, we have to, uh, with our international broadcast partners, we have to find new ways of working together. So it's certainly very frustrating for me not to be able to, to go to the US right now and meet with a lot of people that I really enjoy working with in the US. Um, but you know, we're still in touch, we're still talking on the phone, emailing. I don't, I don't necessarily do, do too many Zooms. I find it annoying sometimes. Um, but, uh, but you know, we've always been on the phone, we've always been over emails. And we're not going to scale down on our international ambitions, uh, whether it's international co-productions or whether it's the types of programming we're developing at the moment. I don't want us to have a COVID slate, basically. I want us to have just the best slate 
as we can in terms of the projects we're developing. Certainly, it's it's more complicated than before to set up shoots internationally. I'm very hopeful that at least Europe is reopening its borders at the moment. So that's great news. And yeah, I'm crossing fingers that soon in the future we'll be able to travel again to the US and travel again to Latin America, tra- travel again to Asia. You know, we just have to be a little bit patient, but I'm I'm very hopeful this will this will come back soon. A lot of our projects take several months to produce anyway. So, you know, if you're doing premium factual series, this is going to take a year, a year and a half, two years to produce anyways. So yeah, we will just, you know, we, we are reorganizing, we are adapting, but I, I don't want to go too far in terms of producing shows that are more local. And I don't want to go too far in terms of producing shows that are just archive-based. I think there is some appetite for that in the short term. So, you know, we've, we've done archive-based programming in the past anyways, and we'll still do a little bit of that. I don't think we will specifically do more just because of the COVID crisis. We're still interested to do very thrilling series that appeal to a global audience. Some of this can be shot in France. Some of this can be shot in Europe. And some of this will be shot again outside of Europe. What is the, what's the score in France at the moment um, with regards to going back to work, production resuming, lockdown restrictions being relaxed? Give us, a, give us a bit of a picture of, of the situation where you are. Sure. And it's been very much step by step here. I have to say the lockdown was incredibly strong. It was a very strict lockdown and it was extremely followed. I think just before lockdown, people in France had a hard time realizing that this thing was happening. And then all of a sudden, um, it was a very strict lockdown. Uh, people started to work from home. A lot of things stopped uh, in all industries. The streets of Paris really felt like being in The Walking Dead. And yeah, things just stopped overnight. It was, it was very, very impressive. The way the lockdown uh, was applied in France, it was incredibly strong. All shooting stopped. The, the few TV shows that still were produced were the news-related shows because they were considered as essential. But, but pretty much anything else stopped in terms of shooting. And then the big measure was people have to work from home. So as far as, we've con- as far as we're concerned, uh, we decided to keep everyone on the payroll in terms of development stuff. So we didn't apply any sort of furlough measures to our development team or our exec producer who is able to do development as well. So we, keep, we kept working as much as possible in terms of development. And then obviously for shooting teams who had to stop working overnight, we were uh, able to apply uh, certain measures called partial unemployment here. It was a big question when the, uh, around mid-March, you know, the confinement was announced in France and the, the French president said that some partial unemployment measures were going to be put in place. And we didn't know to what extent this would be applied to freelancers. So, you know, I, I had a lot of chats uh, with the French, the French Producers Union. There is uh, one union called USPA, USPA. Obviously, I was also following the news in the UK and, and looking very closely at all the announces from PACT. I think um, the French government was very uh, proactive in terms of financing those measures to help people basically keep, to, to keep people having salaries. and. As a, as a producer union, we had a lot of chats with the government to put in place new measures specifically adapted to the TV industry. So I would say there was a, a big national plan to help people still 
getting salaries. But there is also a range of measures that have been specifically applied to the TV industry. One of the most important measures is the fact that we, we really ask to have an insurance related to COVID. One of the main issues you're facing, if you're going to hire 50 people on a shoot and the shoot is going to last for a couple of weeks and then something happens because of COVID, that means you have to stop shooting. If you don't have an insurance for that, it's an incredible financial risk that no production company can take because it can mean hundreds of thousands of pounds involved. If you have to stop overnight a big production with a lot of people, you, you just can't take this kind of risk. And, and the problem we have with the insurance company Companies is that a lot of insurance companies just didn't want to have any COVID-related clause. They just didn't want to have a COVID-related clause in the insurance policies. So I think where the, the French producer unions ha have been very clear with the French government that for a lot of the bigger productions, it would be impossible to resume work until we had a specific insurance scheme in place. And since the insurance companies didn't want to go there, basically mm -hmm. the insurance companies said, no, we don't want to take any COVID-related clause. We had to find another system. So the system which is being implemented at the moment in France, it's basically covered by the government through uh, the French CNC. The CNC is an organization which usually gives, it's usually a way to, to finance productions in the field of documentary, drama, and animation. But there is talk to extend this specific COVID insurance to all of uh, non-fiction productions as well, even those who are usually not benefiting from the, the usual subsidy system. So it's, it's quite complicated, but to try and make it simple, I would say, I would say the, the French producers' unions have had very specific talks with the French government to create a government-backed insurance policy. And because this is now being put in place, larger productions like drama productions, or in our case, you know, docudrama productions, are able to resume thanks to this um, new type of insurance, which is basically covered by the government. You have actually, you are making an announcement about a renewal of, uh, of one of your shows, uh, The Real War of Thrones, which I believe is with the, the public broadcaster in France. Can you tell us a little bit about the show and, and how you're managing to produce and get that to France Television while all this is going on? Of course. And, and you know, The Real War of Thrones is a perfect example of a production which has a huge scale and which we would never have taken the risk to, to start shooting if we couldn't have any insurance. So indeed, we, we are pleased to say that France Television has renewed the Real War of Thrones for a fourth series. The focus of this series will be on uh, Louis XIV's reign. It's one of the longest reigns, I think it's the, the longest reign in French history, and it's one of the most famous kings. It's one of the most famous French kings globally as well. You know, Louis XIV is probably one of the most famous French persons around the world. And so it, it's a very exciting project, and it's it's a nightmare to have to do this in the time of COVID because it's, it's very ambitious on a, on a typical day of shoot of uh, the real world thrones for the drama recon. We can have up to 100 people on the set. And of course, regarding shooting in times of COVID, you have financial aspects, but you also have health and safety, safety aspects. Our job as an employer, when we have crews and cast and teams of people working with us, our first duty to our teams is to ensure uh, the safety of the team and the fact that people can work safely. So I would say the government-backed 
COVID insurance is taking care of the financial risk. But then you have all the health and safety aspects that we also have to take care of. So what we've done as an industry is uh, we've established a sort of Bible about how you can shoot in times of COVID and all the measures you have to put in place. We've had to, we clearly had to rewrite certain scenes in the scripts, like a lot of dramas that are, you know, restarting production at the moment. Interestingly, the first productions that resumed in France were the soap, the soap dramas. They are all restarting at the moment and they are very big productions and those are daily soaps like you know, uh, you would have Coronation Street in the UK. So in France, the, the first productions that have restarted shooting are uh, the soaps. Those are very large teams as well. So we needed a Bible that the industry could agree on and the, uh, you know, representatives of the government would agree on as well to be, okay, this is a sort of referential that we, we have to use uh, when we are resuming production you know, when do you have to wear a mask? Uh, what sort of distance people need to, to keep on set? All these measures, you know, ha- have been very precisely uh, described um, in this Bible. So yeah, it's, it's obviously uh, quite a challenge to do these kinds of productions. So, so again, the first, I would say the first step is rewrite the script. If there's something in the script that you can describe differently so that you won't have to worry too much about social distancing on set. Then the other measures, as I said, is using this industry Bible to see what you know, what we're going to do. We're going to buy lots of masks. We're going to buy lots of gel. We will have very detailed measures that we will communicate to our teams about how we're going to behave on set. But yeah, it's, it's, it's a ton of different complicated questions because, you know, having lunch. Usually when we do these kinds of productions, people are sitting next, next to each other and they have lunch. We have to rethink every single aspect of the production from where are people going to spend the night? You know, how are they going to have lunch? How are actors and actresses, how are they going to put their mics on? You know, the fact that, I mean, the costume, the hair and makeup, everything has to be uh, really precisely reinvented um, to accommodate uh, COVID constraints. So when you're talking about sound engineers, for instance, you know, they're not going to be touching people to put the mics on. You know, people have to put their mics by themselves. Costumes. For the real world thrones, we're shooting the reign of Louis XIV. Um, the costumes are going to be fantastic, but we have to be very careful that every, you know, every day <laughs> costumes have to be clean and fresh. And you can't, you know, you can't borrow the, the morning jacket cannot go to someone else in the afternoon. That's not going to happen. In the past, we would do that. You know, we would have a jacket being used by an actor in the morning and it would be a little bit, you know, refreshed uh, freshed up. And then another actor would be using the same jacket potentially in the afternoon. In the afternoon, And that's not going to happen anymore this year with COVID. So we have to be incredibly creative, you know, not just in the scripts, but also in the way we are going to produce this show because every single aspect of the production has to be reinvented in the light of uh, new constraints. So yeah, it's quite interesting. It's a lot of work. <laughs> so it sounds like a nightmare, mate, to be honest. I mean, is it, uh, is it extra, extra costs and, yeah. and, a long, and a longer filming time? Presumably this, this all takes much longer than it, than it normally would. And do you have to isolate your whole cast and crew together for two weeks first and things like that? I mean, it just, it's a logistical maze really, isn't it? So, I mean, 
We're still wondering whether we're going to go with actors locked on. I mean, we, we're thinking of doing something pretty funny, which is, I mean, because Louis XIV was such a character and part of his politics was very much influenced by his uh, mistresses. So Louis XIV had lots of mistresses. Uh, he's famous for that, and it's part of the story of his life, and it's part of his politics. So how do you do a sex scene with social distanciation, you know? That was quite a, an interesting question. So we've been thinking about having intimacy stunt people. I think it's hilarious that, you know, we're considering hiring people who are real couples in real lives, and they will be stunt people in the way you would have, you know, for Indiana Jones, except, except it's not going to be about jumping down from a truck. It's going to be about jumping in the bed. <laughs> It's a, is this a, a new line of a new line of work in television that pe- that couples can apply to? Maybe I, I call it uh, intimacy stunt people. Maybe you know um, they have fluffers in the porn industry. We're going to have intimacy stunt people. So, so you've got that. I mean, as as um, as we start to get back to normal and and come out of this. I mean, how do you see, do you see, you're obviously very frequent on the event circuit. We, we see each other at events all the time. How has the loss of those affected you? Because that's where you pitch and network and put ideas across. Do you think they'll come back in the same way and the same quantity? And how have you coped without them? You know, that's a very good point. And it's, it's certainly a challenge. I think the issue is not so much that we had a two-month lockdown. I think the issue is that even after the lockdown is over, there is a lot of restrictions are still in place. And I think this is where the COVID crisis is much more than just a two-month lockdown. I think the issues are long-lasting because, first of all, there's an economic crisis looming over. Um, and secondly, travels are still difficult, uh, which means that if you don't see someone for two months, it's okay. If you don't see someone for a whole year, then it becomes more difficult to uh, nurture a relationship. I think in our industry, it's very important for people to have face-to-face meetings. Obviously, everybody is now using you know, all sorts of technology to do uh, video calls, but nothing will ever replace uh, face-to-face contact. And you know, it's fine to use all these technologies, and we've always done that before. You know, we're working with a lot of people in the US, in the UK, in Germany. We've been working with people all around the world for years and years, and we've always done emails and phone calls, etc. But it was very important that also from time to time in the year, uh, we would meet up at Real Screen, we would meet up at Sunny Side of the Dog, we would meet up at the MIP. You know, I would certainly travel from time to time to the U.S., even outside of these social events to meet the broadcasters that we're working with, sometimes to meet production partners. You know, I'm certainly used to coming to London quite often. That's a little bit more difficult at the moment. So, yes, certainly uh, travel bans are, are very bad news for our industry uh, because of shootings being difficult and because of meetings being difficult. Now, what I have to say there is, if you have already a very strong relationship with someone, if you know you're already working with a broadcaster and you have an established partnership with them, I think it's okay that you don't see them for a few months, but it makes it much more difficult for other people. So people you haven't worked yet with or people you haven't met with, then that's where the challenge is, I believe. So in our case, you know, Thankfully, because we've been working for years internationally, we have very solid partners in many different countries that we can still work with at the moment. And the conversations haven't stopped and they're not going to stop. 
but it will be more difficult to find new partners. And hopefully, even with those people that we've known for a while and we've worked with before, hopefully within the next year, we will be able to meet again. I think it's very important. Samuel Kisu from Purnell Media. That's all for this episode. There'll be more from the podcast tomorrow, but in the meantime, stay safe and stay up to date with all the latest developments by following C21 online, on mobile and social media. Thanks for listening.